The Way It Is with Sunan. Now, I was telling you about uh, Mary Reynolds and I was telling you that she was um, one of those gardeners who did um, Mary, I hope I'm right in saying um, and thanks so much for joining us. I think you're just in the door so appreciate that. Um, no problem. You're one of those gardeners that did th- these very expensive, very fancy uh, gardens and you won at least one gold medal, medal at Chelsea, if not more. Is that right? No, just the one when I, when, you know, when I was a kid, when the dinosaurs roamed the earth a long time ago. <laughs> when you were a kid. Oh, well, I was, yeah, I was 20, 27, you know, I was young and um, it, it felt like a, a long time ago, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not, it's, it's been a while since then, you know. And listen, tell us, I mean, what, what it was like being a gardener then and those heady times, I guess, of, you know, television gardens and um, shows like the Chelsea Flower Show where, um, I suppose large amounts of money and very exotic plants and other sort of fabrications were involved. Well, I suppose it was very it was very much about um, implementing something different. Just the way architects are a lot of the time, they don't tend to listen to their clients. You know the way it works, and a lot of them, they just they just the whole kind of intention behind you know, architecture and landscape architecture and garden design is is to make something that looks really impressive. Um, you know, and there are some sensitive garden designers out there who really listen to their clients and they and their intention is to create something of beauty. But my, um, you know, and I traveled all over the world and I worked for very wealthy people and sure, it was great living the dream and all that sort of thing. But um, I kind of realized fairly fairly slowly actually it took me I kind of it was a kind of a slow awakening I realized that um that that nature was the real deal and that true true beauty is true nature and that the idea of um implementing our own creative visions upon the skin of the earth was not really conducive to um being part of the solution to the crisis that we're facing, which is, you know, the collapse of our climate and the collapse of nature around our ears, which, you know, people want to try and be part of the solution to that. And my understanding now is that if you want to be part of that solution, if you want to save the planet, which is kind of a ridiculous statement in itself, but you're going to have to start with your own patch of it, you know. Um, And was there... That's it. Was there um, a, a, a moment where it struck you or was it something that dawned on you, as you say, slowly? Was there a very particular moment when you turned the corner and you told the very expensive, rich clients, no, I'm not doing that kind of thing anymore? Well, there was there was there was a few moments, but the, I suppose the final one, the final nail in the coffin as such was in um, 2019. And I was back living in Wexford, where I live now. I, I had lived, been living in West Curry for years and um, I was renting a house because I was building a house on the farm where I grew up. Um, but I was renting at the time and I was I was upstairs in the house that I was renting and I was looking down over the garden and um it was a country country lane that i lived on you know kind of a very narrow little road but 
it was morning time and it was winter and I, and I was sitting at my desk and a fox ran across the garden followed by two hares which is kind of weird in itself and so I kept watching where they'd gone into this brambly kind of wild patch um, of a field beside me and waiting for them to come out and then I spotted a hedgehog scuttling along the ditch in the same direction and you know generally these creatures stay stay out mm. they stay out of our, our our world and they're nocturnal um and they're certainly the, the hedgehogs would naturally be hibernating at that point but um so i went outside it reminded me of noah's ark you know um and i went outside and i went in the direction they were coming to see what was happening and then at the end of the lane across the road there had been this beautiful thicket of field it was impenetrable a bit like sleeping beauty's wall of thorns you know uh, full of blackthorn and hawthorn and gorse and wild roses and and there was no way into it it was about an acre and somebody had got planning permission at the top of the field to, to build a house and they'd gone in with a digger and they cleared the whole thing out within minutes to make a garden without any thought for all the creatures that called it home and i realized i'd done the same thing myself so many times that it just it just all came home to me at that moment that 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 you know it's not up to anybody else t- to fix this it's up to all of us and we are the ark and I called it We Are the Ark because, you know, for that very reason, it's 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 like something there's no point in waiting for politicians because they're clearly not going to do anything. You know, they're 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 wrapped up in a web of their own weaving and they can't help us. So it's up to all of us. And I started a movement called We Are the Ark and I called it Acts of Restorative Kindness to the Earth and it took off and it's gone around the world and it's become a global movement, which is quite exciting and um i'm not selling anybody anything um you know you have to put up your own make your home homemade sign and put it up saying this is an ark um when you're restoring your patch of your of the planet back to a, a native plant community um so that your neighbors don't think you've just lost the plot because because we 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 we, we basically we basically equate tidiness in our gardens with care mm. Um, and the idea of looking at land differently is is a massive shift to turn from being a gardener into a guardian of your land, you know. And it's very ingrained in us now that we have to treat land in a particular way. And, you know, even in America, for example, they have these homeowners associations who decide, you know, what color bird box you're allowed to have. And everyone has to keep everything perfect and neat. And there's no we're so disconnected from who we truly are um, and our the reality of life which is that we cannot truly own any bit of this planet you know because the concept of ownership is ridiculous like we're only here for a moment you know and um yeah it just I suppose it's a very simple idea but it, yeah. it it's it, it's it's pretty amazing what happens very very quickly wildlife returns almost instantly um, and it's not about planting pollinator friendly plants, which really is a gardening supportive narrative. It's a garden industry supporting supportive yeah. narrative. It's it's not actually a nature supporting narrative because all those showy flowers that you've been told will help pollinators, they don't provide the pollinators with the correct chemical compounds um, that they need for a healthy, you know, a healthy diet. And if you don't allow the native plants into your garden instead, which are the ones that the insects have partnered with over millennia, you know, they might get a fast food restaurant feed out of those showy flowers that right. you've been told to plant, but they won't actually 
get the correct food, a whole food diet, and they will have nowhere to lay their eggs to create a new generation of their own species, which causes a collapse in local ecosystems. So an ark is basically a restored native ecosystem as, and, 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 and it's a very simple concept. Well, that's what I want to know because I have a garden just by the river. I cut the grass, which you probably would think that I, I shouldn't do at the no, moment. No. It, it's full of um, white clover and purple clover and I see the bees um, coming and landing on it. So I'm not cutting it for the time being anyway, but maybe I'll cut it in in the end. But otherwise, like, um, is it is it just a case of of just letting everything go and like? No, no, no. no, Okay, it's not. not. Okay, so what's the advice? There's quite a lot of work in it in in a sense, but less work than there would be in a garden, you know, but it's not. It's not about abandonment. It's about stewardship. So, you know, you can't you can't have a full working ecosystem in a little patch, you know, you know, because you'd need about 1500 acres and you need to bring back wolves and lynxes and everything and you <laughs> okay. Can't, in, in, okay. in order in order for in order for there to be everything working well, because the web of life that we live with, every single creature in it has an important role to play. and you know, if you have a little patch of land, you have to step in and become all those missing creatures. Now, that sounds complicated, but you have to kind of take the services that they provide and you have to try and carry them out in your own land. So that sounds complicated, but it's very simple. All you have to do is you have to create as many different layers of ecosystem maturity as possible. So what that means is you'd have a meadow and it's not necessarily like the big showy flowery meadows because mm. you shouldn't really be sowing seed you should be working with the seed bank like the lovely clovers that have come up in your place that's mm. that's the seed bank i'm sure you didn't plant them no 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 and so you have loads of layers so you have a mown area which is basically replicating the large herbivore animal mammals who would come in and graze the land do you know and then you'd have um you know you don't mow you only mow as much as you need or mow a path through a meadow. And the meadow is when you allow the seed bank to emerge and let it grow. And then you, it might be filled with thistles and nettles and docks. You know, it doesn't matter as long as it's diverse and it's working with the seed bank, which is there. And then you can add in more things and add in like yellow rattleseed, which is the semi-parasitic native um, wildflower, which lives on the, the roots of grasses and weakens the grasses so that more diversity of flowers get a chance to come into it. And you treat that meadow in a kind of a staged way. You leave some of it thatch over itself um, because that'll create a huge amount of, of, of insect and bumblebee homes and little homes for shrews and things like that. And you leave some of it um, in a two year cycle and then the rest of it, you cut it back in the spring um, just just before all the like just when everything is starting to grow again you cut the meadow back because the insects need the dead stems to finish their life cycles a lot of them do and if we cut them back in the autumn you've you've taken away their chance at creating a new generation again can i ask um, and you the birds, yeah yeah sorry uh, sorry Mary. can i ask and this okay. is selfish now what about briars because they yeah. take over okay. yeah I, yeah they take over so brambles or briars would naturally be nibbled back by the deer so by becoming the deer you cut back the brambles and you you kind of because otherwise they would take over so so you've got so you've got all these layers and another thing is that brambles and briars are really really 
brilliant habitats, you know, and hedgehogs will make homes in the leaves and in, in underneath bramble thickets, you know, or little little birds will will become quite territorial over bramble thickets. So if you if you cut the bramble thicket into five patches instead of one patch, for example, then you've got five bird homes instead of one, you know. So um, so, yeah, you, you do have to do a bit of care. So you've got your 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 mown bit, you've got your meadow bit, you've got your brambly, scrubby, thorny bit. Um, and then you've got woodland um, and then, you know, in between then you, you've got to put in as many wildlife supports as possible, like a pond or if you can, you know, you may you, you may not have room for only one or two of these. Like, you know, you can only do what you can. But, but all I'm asking is that people do what they can, but, you know. But there is, um, I'm going to run out of time, Mary, and I want to find out how people can get more information. But there is method then to this and you've you've worked yeah. away and developed this scientifically yeah. eff- eff- effectively and is that in your book we are the ark is can people find yeah. the method there they can but i i just i just want to make sure people understand that they don't have to buy the book people just like books and i found the movement only really kicked off when i wrote it into a book yeah. all the information is on the website the book kind of gives you more detail for sure but you can get it from the local library um, if you don't want to buy it or if you don't have the money to buy it. And um, but the website has all which is we are the dot org and it's A-R-K. Um, and the book is called We Are the Ark. And um, yeah, so all the information is there. And um, and it, the really cool thing, I, I do ask people to grow their own food in half of any land they have under their care and to give the rest back. So it's just basically about mm. sharing, learning, learning to share. And to step outside of the industrial farming, fishing and forestry systems, which are killing everything on the planet, really, you know. And um, so the only way to do that is to try and grow your own food. Or if you don't have the ability to grow your own food, then to share that bit of land with your friends and family who don't have any land to grow food. Um, You know, if there's an older person in your life who has a garden and can't manage it, you know, and you don't have any land, maybe you could have a conversation with them and say, look, why don't I grow food here and build an ark? And in return, you'll have company and you'll have produce from the garden and you'll have all these wildlife creatures to, to sit and look at. And it, it makes a massive difference to people when, when they become part of this kind of community. Okay. You know? and, and that community is growing. How fascinating, Mary. I'm dying to go on the web, website and, and, um, and look at it. But it is a growing movement. And I know you were in Kilkenny recently. Did you get a good reception? Gosh, there's a lovely bunch of people down there. The, 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 I think it's called the Southeast Permaculture Group. Yes. And then I was given a talk for Kinkle Kenny County Council a little while before that. Yeah, no, there's, there's a good bunch of folk down in Kilkenny, you know. It's a pity, pity about the hurlers, though. They're always beaten. It's a disaster. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, can, I can hear the old Wexford accent is is coming back there now when you start talking about the hurling. Um, Mary. That's the way it works. Yeah. Fascinating talking to you. I'd love to talk to you again if if that was okay. But in the meantime, we can go look at the website. We are the Ark and uh, and find out how you can uh, garden with nature, um, which is exactly. the whole point. Thank Mary, you so much. Thank you so much. Great talking to you. And thanks for coming in um, from a day's work somewhere and talking to us. It's great. Thank <laughs> no you. Problem. Take, Take care. care. Bye bye. Bye bye. The way it is with Sunan.